Hello and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor as well as the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the show, you could always give me a call on the listener hotline and that number 303-832-0217. It is a free call and it's a free recording on this recorded message. (laughs) Oh, reminds me of all those gambler uh, lines. Uh, (laughs) Uh, By the way, I wanted to say happy birthday to somebody very special to the program. Happy birthday to the program. Yeah, the Driving You Crazy podcast uh, is celebrating a birthday. The very first episode of this show was published on November 2nd, 2016, five years ago. Today, the day I'm recording this uh, show, that usually comes out the next day. Uh, and yes, five years ago, 220 episodes later. Well, I, I guess this one right now makes it 221 episodes. Uh, but anyway, as I said on my Facebook post about the uh, podcast birthday, this, this is really the child I was kind of excited to have. And over here, it has brought me great joy and also great frustration. And basically all at the same time. Uh, But thanks to all the guests who have uh, appeared on the show, and there have been many, many, many of them, and many uh, big deal guests that, uh, you know, I don't even know how I convinced them to come here on the show. And and also thanks to all the people who have helped over the years, like the original co-host, Joseph Peters, who has now since left the local newsroom and is working as a producer for our Scripps National Newscast. I think he is. He's on the national team of He's doing something uh, big and fancy. Uh, And Nicole Brady, who for a long time was the show's number one fan, and so uh, I I think she still listens all the time. Uh, I'll I'll find out when she hears this episode. Uh, And uh, so, so far, uh, like I said, 220 episodes in the can. This is number 221. Uh, How many more? Only time will tell, I guess. Um, But let's just take this like everything else in life at this point. Uh, in our existence, day by day, I think that's probably the best way to handle it because, you know, it, it's it's really quite amazing that you have uh, that that this that it's been going on for five years because there's so many that don't even last a month or even more than two or three episodes, uh, and so it's uh, it's been great. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting the show. And if you ever need to contact me, you could always do that on any of the contact links here in the description of the show. Uh, By the way, today I'm going to be speaking with David Dowdy. David is the head of North America for a company called uh, Free to Move. They are, I guess, new to the United States. They've been around Europe for a while. And and you're asking, what is Free to Move? When I say Free to Move, it's free and then the number two, move. And basically they say they're a one-stop shop to either rent a car or do short-term leases or get a ride all kinds of like ride share, uh, also like rent a car share where it's just they're, they're parked around and you can get one. Or they, There's all kinds of different aspects of this uh, site, this website, and uh, I guess this company. And it, it's probably best if I just let David uh, explain all of what they do. And it's probably best for him to explain it when I talk to him here in just a few minutes because uh, they do a lot of interesting things and it's a little bit different than some of the other companies. It's like they're they're combining a whole bunch of different companies all in one to do one thing, so or to do a bunch of things under one roof. Anyway, uh, but first I wanted to open up the mailbag and answer this question that, that uh, really took off online when I posted it to our main Denver 7 webpage as well as the Denver 7 Facebook page. And it comes from Cassandra in Thornton, Colorado, who writes, What's driving you crazy? Do you have to turn right on red? I am constantly getting honked at by drivers not turning right on red when it seemingly is clear to go. Depending on the intersection, you can't always see who is coming through the green light or a larger vehicle is obstructing your line of sight. It was my impression that turning right on red is legal unless otherwise posted, but not necessarily required. Well, it's an interesting question, Cassandra, and no... You don't have to turn right on red. You are completely within your legal right to wait until the light turns green. Even though there is no law that says you must turn right on red, there will be drivers who will argue there is no reason not to turn right on red 
maybe unless it's unsafe. Now, according to the Colorado Driver Handbook, it says, after stopping and yielding to pedestrians and other traffic, and if not prohibited by a traffic sign, you may turn right on the light is red. The key, the key word in there is may. It doesn't say must. It says may. That makes that right turn on red optional. And no one can tell another driver when they feel it's safe to make any kind of a maneuver, including turning right on red. That said, other drivers who disagree with your decision will let you know the easiest way they know how by laying on the horn. And I'm sure it's an uncomfortable feeling uh, as the blaring horn makes you feel more unsafe. But in our fast-paced world, it's really hard for other drivers to think someone wouldn't want to turn right on red and keep on going when they have the opportunity to do so. Now, I was talking to several people about this story including a woman named Suzanne who told me I was involved in a pretty bad accident several years ago because a 16-year-old girl turned right on red just as I was going through an intersection. She said my body and car took the brunt of that accident. Another woman told me that even though you legally don't have to go on red, it's inconsiderate to other drivers and blocks the flow of traffic by waiting there and not turning, especially when it's safe. And conversely, a man named Sage I spoke with, he said, I'll just put my hands on the horn until I'm satisfied. When people honk at me, they can go around me. (laughs) Okay. Now, for the drivers who want to turn right on red, the 911 driving school says just because it's legal, that doesn't mean it's a free pass to turn unless the conditions are right. Since you have a red light, it means somebody else has a green light and they have the right of way. And you're probably not watching for people to pull out if you're going through a green light. If uh, somebody else is, maybe you're going to watch if you're you're going through. But but anyway, if you're going through on the green, you might not pay attention as much as you need to. So it's imperative when wanting to make a right turn on red, watch for pedestrians and bike riders. And of course, somebody blowing through the intersection on the green. Some of the people on a bike will be in the crosswalk. But other riders choose to be on the road riding with traffic, so it's always good to watch out for them. And on a whole separate note, in Colorado, drivers are allowed to make a left turn on red from a one-way street onto another one-way street. Now, that move is legal after stopping at the, at the red light, provided there's no sign prohibiting such a turn. And just as making a right on red, the driver must yield the right of way to pedestrians and other uh, lawful traffic in the intersection before you make that left turn, the left on red, from a one way to another one way. The more you know, right? <laughs> uh, if you want to leave me a comment about that and if any experiences, you could always do so in any of the contact links in the description of this show. A handful of episodes back... I talked about car sharing and how it might be an option away from traditional rental cars. Well, there's another new option that offers much more than just car sharing. At least it's new to Denver, as it's been in place in a few other parts of the country. It's called Free to Move. That's free, the number two, and then move. And they say they empower the community with a wide range of vehicle access solutions united in a single, easy-to-use app. But what, what does that exactly mean? I invited David Dowdy, he's Free to Move's head of North America, to talk more about this and to find out if it's something that will change the world. David, thanks for being here on the World Famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, David, before we get into Free to Move and car sharing and some of the other things that are available on the service, let's find out about you. You, for a time, I saw, were a professor for finance at my father and uh, my father's alma mater, Wayne State. You know, actually, Jane, I'm, I'm I'm currently a professor of finance still. Uh, so I, I do that on the side just for fun. I Years ago, I decided that the way I want to spend my retirement ages is working as a professor complete with the elbow patches on a tweed jacket. Uh, and I thought this would be a, a great way to get started. And I, I found an opportunity in Detroit and I love it. it. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do every week. It's basically my, uh, I would say it's my hobby. Some people have golf. I have teaching evenings <laughs> as my, my way to unwind. What's your professor rating? Because you know how t- kids, they, they always say, oh man, you should take that guy or you should not, you stay away from that professor. 
Well, you'd have to ask my students about that. Uh, the, the word on the street is I am a I am a tough but fair professor. So, um, but but you can you can you can survey some of my past students for that that question. Perfect. And what what else have you been doing besides becoming a a professor of finance? Well, in my personal life, I, my wife and I just welcomed our, uh, our our second child. She's three months old, so I'm very excited about that. So that adds congratulations a, a, a new, on that. Uh, a new excitement to my life, so that's 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 very meaningful to me and my wife. Uh, but professionally, you know, my my work has been in the automotive space for just a few years now. Um, prior to that, I spent a lot of time in mergers and acquisitions and in doing corporate strategy. I found my way into what was Fiat Chrysler um, a few years back, uh, doing very similar work. And and when I came to Fiat Chrysler, one of the big questions was, well, what does the OEM, what does the automotive OEM have to do with mobility? And mobility is this very broad, um, uh, overused, and I think ill-defined term that for some people encompasses everything from bikes and scooters up to maybe flying cars in the future. And I set about my work in Fiat Chrysler, really helping the company define mobility as a term and define mobility as a strategy. Uh, and then recently, when Fiat Chrysler merged with PSA, we formed Stellantis, and we found that uh, Stellantis has access to Free to Move. Free to Move is this company that's uh, been established under the PSA brand uh, for about six years, five, six years now in Europe. And it's a very robust organization in Europe, over 200 employees, uh, and, and they have a vast network of uh, different mobility teams and products and services. Uh, and I was tasked with the the, uh, the the responsibility of bringing Freedom Move to North America and helping Freedom Move expand and grow. Um, so we are dedicated to uh, the, the growth of mobility hubs. Uh, these are deployed uh, mobility projects within municipalities to provide a wide range of, of ways customers can access vehicles, um, as well as really innovating with our business, the business partners, on how they can think about mobility for their company needs as well. Um, so it's a very wide breadth of responsibilities. Uh, and when it comes to Denver, um, our first uh, foray now is to, to launch our uh, car sharing service and our car and demand service in the city as of this last week. And we'll talk about more about that here in just a second, because as, as I look at the Free to Move website, which you can see at freetomove.com with the number two in there, there, there are all kinds of categories from parking to rental car to car sharing, uh, electric recharging. We'll talk about a lot of those issues here in just a little bit. But let's get into exactly, in terms the average Joe can understand, is all of this stuff, what 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 does it really all mean to me if I wanted to use these services? Sure. So you had an end to end. If you just think about it every single day, each one of us makes our own individual decisions around mobility and our own individual decisions on how we kind of arbitrage our, our transportation needs. And it's really on a spectrum of, I think of it as duration and distance, right? Um, how long do I want to take to get somewhere and how far do I have to go? And that first characteristic is not how quickly can I get somewhere, it's how long do I want to take? Because depending on where you're going and what you're doing, you may want to take a nice long time. You may want to take a nice easy drive, but in other cases you might want to get there quickly. So when I think about the services that we offer, they are all designed to assist you with your individual transportation and mobility needs. And what we are uh, we are building is an ecosystem where all of the solutions that you need for any of your transportation needs uh, will be embedded within a single location. So you don't have to you know, use different tools, different products, different services. You can find all of it at, in your hands. So when I think about our parking service, for example, if you are looking uh, to book travel and you want to take a trip, you know, uh, take a trip from Denver uh, and 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 uh, you know fly to, you know, fly to California and spend the weekend in California. Obviously, you're going to need to take your vehicle that you're driving in if you're if it's an own vehicle and you need to have a place to park it to leave it so that way you can uh, drop it off at the airport or somewhere nearby. The parking service is just that. It's just that is that how do I store my vehicle in these micro bases if I have my own vehicle? So it's very very simply narrow, narrow narrowly defined. It's something that that somebody can easily understand you know and then you get into this idea of, of what are the different ways to access a vehicle you know for us in north america uh, for most americans the way we think about personal vehicles is ownership right i go to a car dealer and i i buy a vehicle either through a loan that i finance over 72 months or a lease that i have over 32 months right 
Um, that's my traditional methodology. But what comes with that is the complexity of ownership, right? Uh, all the requirements in order to get qualified for a car, first of all, having uh, you know high credit, uh, so the ability to put down a three to five thousand dollar deposit, uh, the ability to actually go to a dealer, the time-consuming process of negotiating with dealers, as we know what that that is like, and and going through the entire sales process, and then you're finally you're finally at the end of the sales process, and you have this brand new car which you really love. But you're locked into it. You're locked into it for, you know, 30 months or 72 months, or in some cases, you know, these loan terms are, are going up to 90 plus months. So what we want to do is give people the optionality to say, what are my needs today? What are my needs today? And how can I, uh, how can I enable those needs with a different form of mobility transportation? And you have this car sharing program uh, as part of your as as part of free to move. And it's interesting because I, I was talking about car sharing uh, in the last couple of episodes. There are there are a couple of different players in this space, and I, I think they're trying to go after traditional rental car companies. Uh, for 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 the traditional rental car companies, they're right there at the airport. Most people are pretty familiar and comfortable with them. But how do I go about getting a car share? Let's say if I'm going to be visiting a city. Uh, or if I'm already in that city, there's there's two different really ways ar- around that. So how do I go about getting one of the car shares? Is it somebody that owns it? I'm, I'm just borrowing their car or is it your car and I'm borrowing your car? Yeah, so so you're actually defining there's really subcategories in car sharing. Um, one of the characteristics, one of the types that you, you talked about is peer-to-peer car sharing. And there are a lot of players out there who do peer-to-peer car sharing. So you know, if I owned a vehicle and my vehicle statistics say is only driven 2% of the time. So 98% of the time it's, it's sitting idle in my, uh, my driveway, I can make that available to people to use when I'm not using it. Right. And it's a way for me to monetize my vehicle, monetize my asset, and it gives you access to my vehicle. Peer to peer car sharing is not what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about vehicles that are owned by free to move and maintained by free to move. And if you think about the traditional rental car company, you brought up the example of uh, those being located in airport. Well, I've been to Denver before and uh, your airport's a little bit outside the city limits. Just a touch, yeah. (laughs) They say say it's almost in Kansas. Yeah, right. So (laughs) not not super convenient if I want to uh, go from my apartment in downtown Denver to the grocery store to head out to the airport to pick a rental car right. in order to enable that trip. And, you know, sometimes while public transportation is available, it's not convenient for me or or it's not the way that I need to travel because I'm going to go to the grocery store or Costco or, you know, BJ's and load up on a, a trunk full of, uh, you know, paper towels. It's hard to take that on a bus. Uh, so <laughs> our car sharing products are what are known as free floating car sharing services. So the vehicles are parked in and around the neighborhoods of Denver in what we call the home zone. Um, The home zone is the location where these vehicles live. And as long as you begin and end your trip in a home zone, you quite literally just walk up to a vehicle, use your phone with our app to unlock the vehicle. You hop inside and you drive that vehicle. You take it for as long as you need it. If you need it just for a few minutes to go down the street, go to the post office and come back, you can do that. If you need it for a longer day, a week, it's really entirely up to you. So you can take it for a grocery trip, a trip to the mountains to go skiing for the weekend, whatever you need. And we charge you on a permanent basis up to a maximum rate per day. And, and I was looking at those rental rates and it says 49 cents a minute. So about five bucks for 10 minutes. If I'm going up to the grocery store, it might cost me a half an hour to get there and back. So it's about $15 or about 30 bucks an hour. So you think that is going to be a good price point for folks who might not want to own a car, but still need one occasionally to get around, like you said, to pick up, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff, walk, you know, walking around uh, from, from Safeway back to home uh, a couple of blocks carrying a, a watermelon or a couple of cantaloupes. I mean, that's, th- those get pretty heavy. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about it. Uh, talk about total cost of ownership. That's really the number people need to keep in their mind, right? When you when you go to a dealership and you see the advertised car payment, we're like, oh, one hundred ninety nine dollars a month. That's not your cost of owning that car. That's your car payment. But on top of your car payment, you're going to have insurance. You're going to have maintenance. You're going to have any any sort of parking fees that you need to pay for your car to be parked in in downtown Denver. Um, so the total cost of ownership on average for a vehicle in 2020 that's driven about 15,000 miles is somewhere around $800 a month, 
right? So if you take those uh, those 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 fifteen dollar trips that you're talking about, that's fifty three fifteen dollar trips. So the question is, could I and can I satisfy my transportation needs for less than the cost of owning a car uh, through these mobility services like car sharing? And for most of our customers, the I mean, and not both, for our customers, the answer is yes. We already have these deployed services in Washington D.C. and Portland. Um, we have very committed followers who will use the vehicles multiple times a day in those cities uh, and they love it because it gives them the freedom and flexibility to have a car when they need it but then not the obligations uh, that come with the car you know uh, when, when you don't need it and like I said statistics show that most people only drive their vehicles two to five percent of the time the rest of the time your car is just sitting there as an idle asset mm -hmm. so this really does free you up to make sure that you're using the you're using for and paying for the services you need when you need it and uh, there always has been the discussion, especially in an urban core like downtown Denver, that's that that people might not be able to afford to have, as you say, it does cost quite a bit uh, to own their own car and keep it maintained and, and, and just have a car. So this is a way for maybe the lower income folks to not necessarily have to rely on the public transportation uh, system to get them from place to place, but maybe gives them an option to take it to work or uh, take it to the store if they need to, or even over to a friend's house. But maybe it's it's going to help out that lower income community almost more than an uh, upper income community. Well, you know, I, that's a that's a good theory. I, I think it, it helps out and serves the needs across the spectrum. Uh, you're right. There are true transportation equity needs that are uh, disparate, um, you know, capabilities and ways that customers have access to you know, basically even banking services when you get down to it. And not everybody that needs a car can go buy a car from a dealer. I mean, even just the, the simple idea that when you buy a car at a dealership, if you're going to get a loan or even a lease, usually requires two to $3,000 down. It's, it's a lot of money to have to come out of pocket just for the, the privilege of being able to start the, the car buying process, not to mention maintaining and owning your car thereafter. So, you know, when you, when you break up the cost of a car into these micro chunks, it does make it more affordable for people. Um, but just because it's more affordable doesn't mean it's just for you know lower socioeconomic strata uh, you know individuals or people uh, who 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 have who struggle in that area it's for really anybody anybody that wants to simplify their mobility right i mean just the the general idea of having to maintain a vehicle maintain multiple vehicles for most families we do it because that's just the way that we live, and that's the way that we've, we've kind of uh, culturally decided to live. Uh, but everything that you you have in that vehicle, the cost of insurance, maintenance, and, and all of the other fees that come with you owning a vehicle, it's really a burdensome. And if you were to actually look at your you look at your your uh, monthly budget, even if you're on the higher end of the the affordability spectrum, probably the second largest expense on a monthly basis is the cost of your car. You know, for most people, first largest is your mortgage. Second's going to be your car, and then after that, it goes cell phone. <laughs> and so, you know, there's there's huge gaps in in the cost of these uh, these assets. And this is just a way that for everybody, everybody can uh, work to simplify their own mobility and to to improve the cost of uh, of transportation and uh, and mobility. We we could almost say it it helps simplify that first mile last mile problem like the scooters do, but it's a car instead of a scooter. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and not every city is uh, a great candidate for scooters, especially in the dead yeah. of winter. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is a little tough to be scootering around when we're getting about a foot of snow. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be one of those. Uh, <laughs> or, or even in Atlanta, where you are, where it uh, you know ninety five uh, temperature, ninety five percent humidity, and then as soon as you step outside, you just turn into a ball of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> so is this for, as you said, maybe a downtown, just urban core where you're going to have your cars located or are we going to be able to see these in the suburbs? And what if I'm in downtown Denver and I, I let's say I live in downtown Denver and I want to drive it out to a nice uh, restaurant that's out there in the suburbs and just leave the car out there because I'm just sharing it. Is, is that OK, too? Yeah, so we're talking about really the current state versus the future state. In, in the current state, we have a defined uh, vehicle fleet that lives in the Denver home zone. And you can, I keep referencing home zone, and it's a little bit of an abstract concept, but if you go to our website, freetomove.com, and look up the Denver car sharing service, you can see the exact map of where the vehicles are located. It's actually a live map as well, so you can literally see where every vehicle is parked. But when I think about the future, of mobility and the future of the way that we're deploying these mobility hubs. A mobility hub in the free to move vernacular is not just car sharing, right? It's going to be distributed mobility services 
including a car-on-demand product, which is a subscription vehicle product, as well as looping in and integrating what we think of as independent operators who may exist more in the suburban networks of a community. Um, and these independent operators will be custodians of the assets that are part of our car-sharing fleet, but also be able to assist in those point-to-point -point, uh, point -point journeys that you were talking about, especially as we think about the absolute future of mobility when we integrate uh, autonomous vehicle and teleoperation capabilities. I mean, Right now, the reason that you have to begin and end your trip in the home zone is because the vehicle can't return itself to the home zone. But in the future, as we start deploying autonomous vehicles and teleoperated vehicles into our fleets, yeah, you can take those those uh, you know single point-to-point -point trips where you can take the vehicle out to the suburbs just for yourself, and that vehicle could drive itself back to the city and park itself where it needs to park. Or uh, you could, from the suburbs, call a vehicle from a home zone out to you. Right. So a lot of these things are evolving and we are going to be growing and deploying these new capabilities as the technologies mature and as our systems mature. But we start simply we start simply with our car sharing service and our car and demand service in Denver. You know, allow the, the, the citizens uh, and the, of the community to really get used to this idea of uh, a future a future sense mobility um, rather than just traditional car ownership. Uh, and we can start to iterate and, and partner on new creative opportunities together. I'm speaking with David Dowdy. He's the free-to-move head of North America. We're talking about car sharing. We're talking about the freedommove.com service. You can find them at freedommove.com. Uh, remind us of where the other cities in the United States are that you can use your service. Right. So today uh, we have a deployed car sharing service both in Washington, D.C. and Portland, Oregon. Um, but we are on a path over the next 24 months to be launching around 30 more cities. So uh, while Denver is number three, uh, we're going to be uh, quickly in, in, in 10 times that many cities. You have on uh, the website, as I'm looking at it, uh, a little section that says car rental, where you can rent a vehicle for one day to one month. Uh, you can get a van if you need to. We we see people that might be maybe needing to move using that kind of service. Um, or you can rent a car with a monthly subscription without commitment. Let's talk about that. What is getting a monthly subscription to one of your cars? Yeah, uh, that's a it's a great option for a lot of customers, right? Because we try and solve the duration question for most of our customers. How long do you need the vehicle, right? Uh, and it could be as short as one minute. Uh, in, in some cases, it'd be a very short trip. Uh, but for some people, my need extends beyond a day or my need extends beyond a week. Uh, maybe I am going to be traveling to Denver as a consultant uh, and I am going to be in the city for three months. Well, it doesn't make much sense for me to go buy a car for three months and it might be cost prohibitive for me to drive or ship my vehicle from a different part of the country to Denver. So you can subscribe to a vehicle through our car on demand feature. Uh, it's going to give you a fixed fee monthly cost, and that covers everything for you. It includes your insurance, it includes maintenance, includes roadside assistance, and the car will be delivered to you. And then once you're done with the car, we'll pick it up and take it away. Uh, so it gives you that complete optionality. And within the car on demand service, there are different levels of, of vehicles. So you could get something like a Jeep Renegade, you could move up to a Jeep Grand Cherokee, you could get a Wrangler. Um, and we're gonna be mixing and enriching that fleet as we go forward into uh, the deployment of our service. I think today uh, in Denver, you can get a Jeep Renegade uh, for $6.99 a month, and that's a total, complete, all-inclusive payment. Um, so with that payment, the vehicle could deliver to you at the end of 30 days. If you decide that you are done with that vehicle, return it back to us, and you have no further commitment on that car, which is uh, very different than if you went into a dealer and had to, had to go through a, a traditional lease or, or, or loan model. It's basically you're doing... Uh, open-ended, short-term, or anytime lease, if you will. So instead of me going to a dealership and then having to sign the forms and blah, 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 do that whole thing and get a three-year lease, I can get a three-minute lease or a three-month lease or a three-year lease with your car service, right? Yeah, we think of it as a subscription. You know, it's more like uh, when we think about other subscription services that everybody is used to these days, where you pay a, you know, a fixed monthly fee and you gain access to a service. So, um, it's definitely it's definitely something that is uh, very flexible uh, because, as with all of these subscription services that we're so used to, um, you know, acquiring these days in our daily lives, you turn it off when you don't need it. You turn it back on when you do. But you also, on the website right here, under Car On Demand, you have Lease a Car. So what is the difference between that and just the uh, monthly subscription? Yeah, so there is a, a leasing feature that's available to our European customers uh, through a bank operation we have over there. Um, the subscription format is the primary format here for North America. Gotcha. And it is the logo 
stay in the car? So if I, I get one that's for three months, it, am I driving around in a, in a logoed vehicle? Yeah, uh, so it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it's a car that doesn't have a big free to move uh, logo on the side. Uh, you receive the vehicle, and it you know it, it looks and acts just like any vehicle you have on the road. Uh, it, but that's different than the ones I might get for the minute or for the hour, right? Correct. Okay. So this is a. It, it's really interesting that that you're also covering the insurance and the maintenance on that. So uh, how does that work out? You just collect these cars after a certain amount of time and then maintain them. Uh, or and and what kind of a, a insurance rate are you paying compared to what you might be charging to the customer that that because you or you would think that some people are are a higher risk uh, for a crash, especially having a vehicle for a longer time than other than other people. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, and it goes to really more of the technicalities of how these programs work. If you think about for us as free to move, we are a fleet operator, right? We have a deployed fleet in multiple cities, thousands of vehicles uh, in total. And so when we look at insuring the vehicle and insuring the fleet, uh, we get some economies of scale that uh, an individual wouldn't necessarily have, right? Um, and so our insurance products that we are putting in place do extend insurance directly to the driver of the vehicle in the car on demand product. Uh, so you do receive a an insurance policy with that, just like you would if you had your own car, you'd need to take out your own insurance policy. Uh, and, uh, and and that cost is rolled directly into your monthly fee. Um, so because we have this blended rate and this blended pool of drivers, it generally creates some some economies for us. Uh, and then as for, the, as for the maintenance, when we look at the maintenance side of the vehicle, um, we do maintain records on uh, the vehicles and we do take them through all their normal cycles for maintenance that are required. Um, but we also perform, you know, general R that's required once a vehicle comes back if it has some dents scrapes scratches here or there uh, and we take care of all of that and that's all factored into your monthly payment so um, that monthly payment is kind of a set it and forget it payment which is really nice because then I don't have to think about anything else or incremental above that that's interesting because typically if if I in my car with my in personal insurance and I'm driving around and I am an I crash I just go through an intersection blow through a red light and cause a wreck uh, my insurance rate typically would go up. What would happen since it's not me insured, it's you are insured as the fleet. What hap- I, I Am I then uh, a higher insurance risk? Um, or uh, do you understand? Uh, yeah, to get I, to, I, you know? I get what you're going. No, I, I totally understand where you're going. You know, from, from our perspective, you know, the customers on the insurance policy that you do receive, there is a deductible uh, just as you would normally have with your own insurance. So you are, you are required to pay the deductible for, you know, damage and excess of normal wear and tear, which is consistent with what, what you'd expect from any insurance product. Um, if there is indeed a claim on the vehicle, we look at the, the the situation. If it obviously wasn't your fault, uh, if it was something that happened, and you know uh, you were a p- party of that accident, but it wasn't uh, something that, that you were uh, the primary cause of, then um, you know we swap out the vehicle. You'll get a new vehicle, and uh, you just continue on your merry way. And we deal with the we deal with all the follow up related to that vehicle, related to the crash or the the, the issues with that vehicle. Um, and if it's a you know a bigger incident, and and you are determined to be at fault, uh, there are uh, customer um, uh, rules and terms and conditions that may prevent you from being a subscriber in the future. Um, but uh, we haven't seen that very often in our experience today because most people that get a car on demand product, they're going to use that vehicle the way that they normally use that vehicle and take care of it. You, you mentioned earlier, uh, as people will probably be owning vehicles less often as we do eventually get to some type of self-driving. I think self-driving is going to be a lot farther down the road than maybe some other predictions are. But if we get closer and closer to a self-driving option, do you see your service really then becoming more fruitful because in the next 20 or 25 or 30 years, we're going to be moving to fewer car owners and, and we're going to need more services like yours? Well, so our general thesis of the, of, of the case here is is that uh, desire for access over ownership will continue to increase o- over the next you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and then as we move into the future, a higher proportion of people will become users of vehicles and users of assets rather than owners of assets. So because of that, we are on you know the, the front end of evolving these business models. Because you have to remember, at the end of the day, we are owned by an OEM. We are owned by Stellantis NV, which is the owner of Jeep Dodge, 
Ram, Chrysler, Fiat, uh, Maserati, all these major car brands. Um, and so we are evolving these business models because we recognize where the future is headed. Uh, so this is really about setting a base and setting a foundation of uh, of, of uh, capabilities, not only for us, but also for our customers uh, and helping them evolve into this potential future uh, that, that we're all seeing come down the, the road. And you mentioned autonomy. Autonomy is is one thing on the horizon, probably a near term a trend in the technology space in terms of applications to vehicles, electrification. Well, electrification or electrified vehicles is still only three to five percent of the total deployed fleet in North America. There are still a lot of people who are interested in it. Well, you know, through our services, uh, as we begin to introduce the mix of electric vehicles, customers have the ability to effectively test drive vehicles through something like car on demand or through our car sharing systems. And that way you get the experience of owning and using an electric vehicle without the risk of necessarily being the first adopters or the early adopters for it and allows you to maybe think a little bit about whether or not you want to be uh, a full owner. And at the end state, when we think about today, most families are going to have two, maybe three cars in their garage. Uh, the thesis is that you're still probably going to own a vehicle, but that that vehicle that you own is going to be the vehicle that you 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 desperately want to own because you identify with the brand, the capabilities of that vehicle. But you still might need other forms of transportation. If I'm a family today and I have two cars in my garage, I probably have one for me and one for my spouse. And between my me and my spouse, I take mine to work. Uh, my spouse takes theirs to work, and between us, we we figure out how to get the kids to and from soccer practice and school. Well, in the future, if we only own one vehicle, uh, that second vehicle that we have access to, that third vehicle that we have access to is going to supplement our transportation needs. So to get me to and from work one day, perhaps I take a, uh, a transportation as a service autonomous shuttle uh, and I send uh, my spouse in our personally owned vehicle and, and they take it off and, and go to work themselves. Maybe my kids need to be picked up from school and dropped off at soccer practice. And I don't have to do that. I can schedule mm -hmm. a shuttle or, or a vehicle service to go pick them up and drop them somewhere else. So these are all future ways that we're going to interact with these networks and free to move is just on on, on the cutting edge of, of developing those networks and deploying these types of capabilities and services. You just mentioned, as I'm speaking to David Dowdy, free to move head of North America. We're talking about all different aspects of uh, their service. You can see that well, all the things that they offer at free to move, the number two move dot com. You have on here electric recharge offering the best route proposed based on your vehicle's range. I had also talked several episodes back about this issue. As we see more electric cars come into market, there will be a lot of people that will be able to charge at home. There will be people in an urban area, uh, downtown Atlanta, downtown Denver. You're, you're not going to be able to run your uh, extension cord from your fifth floor apartment window down to the road so you can plug in your car. So you're going to need maybe outside places to park and charge. Uh, the president was just announcing that he is going to be looking to add almost a half a million or, a, a, yeah, almost half a million charging stations across the country in the next several years. So is this going to be one of the aspects of your business that you think is going to grow tremendously? And, and, and really, uh, how do you see um, recharging your electric car growing in the future? Uh, that's, you know, this is, I spend a lot of my days uh, on this topic uh, right now, uh, because it is really, you know, the, the most immediate need. When we think about the, the hurdles to overcome uh, electrified adopted future for most customers, the first thing they think of is range anxiety. You know, how long will this electric vehicle last, right? Once I get in it, how often will I need to charge it? And then the second is exactly what you talk about is, okay, once I have an electric vehicle, how do I charge it? Because I can't just go to a gas station and charge the electric vehicle, right? Um, you know, most BEVs and or PHEVs today, so plug-in hybrids or battery electric vehicles, will take several hours to charge, even on uh, even on a, a level two charger. You can get into what's known as DC fast charging, uh, and uh, one of the major OEMs in North America has their, their superchargers, um, and those superchargers allow you to maybe get a charge in 40 minutes to an hour, but that's a heck of a lot different than if I went to a gas station today and filled up in five minutes, right? So <laughs> it's a very different way of living with a vehicle. And because of that, uh, through our electric uh, recharge capabilities, we are integrated with a number of charging networks and we are integrated with a number of charging services. So that way you can identify and figure out where and how and when to charge my vehicle. So it looks at the data coming off your vehicle. It determines what your uh, use is. It determines how your range is and it plots it along your your your, your trip and says, well, these are the five charging stations uh, in, your, in your direction. You could stop at this one, you stop that one. And it really does help you simplify how to live with with an electric vehicle. 
But those are the small use cases as those, those long trips. For most people, uh, most of us will charge our vehicles at home. Uh, and for those of us who are lucky enough to own a home uh, and, and have a garage in which we can park our vehicle or have the ability to park our car next to our townhome, and I can have that uh, that that charger kind of extending from the wall or integrated into my, my home electric system, that's great. But not everybody is there. Uh, and because of that, through our electric recharge uh, system and our Charge My Car features, uh, we offer uh, in your up and we're bringing this to North America, uh, electric vehicle charging subscriptions. So um, I can pay for a subscription to access to a network of chargers uh, and have the ability to reserve and go and charge my car. Um, and as we think about the deployment that's happening in Europe, we have a sister company called Free to Move eSolutions, uh, and eSolutions is is working on deploying one of the largest DC fast charging networks in southern, in southern Europe. But they're doing this alongside a lot of other types of, uh, I would say, attractions uh, with hoteliers and, uh, and department stores and fast food restaurants to make sure that there's a ubiquitous distribution of these charging networks, which are all integrated into the software platform uh, that allow you as a customer to gain access to it when you need it uh, to manage your, your electric vehicle ownership. Um, so it is a complex problem. There are a lot of moving parts. It's much more uh, um, uh, integrated from a software capability into your vehicles today than, than, than gas refueling has ever been. Uh, but we're excited about the potential that that brings as well for us to make it a better, seamless, uh, more enjoyable experience for customers. Yeah, I do think that's going to be a big problem. As I uh, talk to my wife, I own a Chevy Volt, so I am on a it's a, it is an electric car. However, the the uh, bonus is I have a generator that generates electricity for the car as I'm going along. So I, I never have range anxiety because I can stop at the gas station as I did today, fill it up. It cost me 20 bucks and boom, I can go for another 350 miles um, because it doesn't have the same. Uh, it's not like a Prius that has the gas, the regular uh, internal combustion engine with a battery that assists it get extra gas mileage. It's always electric, so it has the benefits of the lower maintenance like any other electric vehicle. But as you were talking about charging out and about, my wife, it's going to really blow her mind that she's going to have to change the way she thinks about fueling. Um, whether it's going to be here at the house every single day or when she's out and about because she's the kind of person that waits till the light comes on and then has to stop at the gas station, and spend the five minutes, and then keep on going. You were talking about the cost of um, or your subscription for uh, these electric stations. What is the cost per kilowatt hour that you would be charging compared to what the cost kilowatt hour is right now? I think I pay 11 or 12 cents a kilowatt hour at the home. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And to be honest, those uh, business models haven't been established in North America yet because North America is uh, a lot further behind our European colleagues when it comes to deployment and adoption of electric vehicles, right? So it's something we're working on. Uh, but uh, but you know taking the uh, taking the the lead on on the kind of models we've established in Europe it's very cost competitive and again because we're doing this on a pooled basis rather than the individual basis usually we can be uh, we can we can pass along uh, costs that are cheaper to you than what you could get on your own home connection uh, but there are a lot of dynamic distinctions and differences between um, how Europeans experience and live with electric vehicles uh, than how we do um, fewer Europeans own their own homes. Uh, fewer Europeans have garages, uh, so public charging is more important in Europe than it is in North America. Uh, public charging is really only going to be about nine, eight, eight, nine percent or so of the demand need for charging stations. Most charging is going to happen at home here in North America because you come home, you plug your vehicle in, you know, you can get 40 miles in just an hour or so on your vehicle uh, with most BEVs. And for most people driving 40 miles in a day is, you know, uh, is, is about what they're going to drive, right? So with those dynamics in mind, there are some differences between European markets and North American markets. Um, but again, generally speaking, uh, because we are doing it on a pooled and an aggregate basis, can pass along uh, better, better rates than what you can get on your own. You've mentioned several times that uh, you guys are in Europe as well as now dabbling in the United States. That's why you are uh, heading up the North American um, division of Free to Move. What are some of those differences in the way people in Europe use um, uh, rental cars or use car sharing compared to us here in America? Well, one of the key differences is really the relationship that most Europeans have to public transportation, including trains, uh, than, than most Americans do. 
you know, even our city centers and our cities are, are, are uh, designed differently. Um, European cities have been designed, you know, and, and were built uh, ages and ages ago, hundreds of years ago. Um, and when you think about that history, they were really designed around having a square or a pedestrian area, a market area, and very small, narrow streets on which they would have a two-wheeled horse, you know, uh, a, a wagon being pulled, right? Uh, so um, they've evolved and kind of layered on top of that all their public transit systems. And it's not uncommon uh, for uh, our European friends to not own cars. Uh, owning a vehicle in Europe is is is, is not as predominant as it is in North America. When you think about North America, you know, a lot of our, our urban areas uh, are, are not as old or as uh, developed, uh, as not have been developed as long as, as many of our European cities. Um, and because of the nature of the uh, American Industrial Revolution and the automobile evolution uh, that happened in the early, uh, you know, early 1900s, uh, we had cities that were designed around owning an automobile. Um, Detroit Metro, for example, uh, if I think about that city, it's designed around owning an automobile. Um, but as people don't own automobiles, uh, or fewer people can own automobiles, it leaves a whole class of individuals out of, of those type of networks. Um, there are cities uh, like Atlanta, for example, where I live, um, where transportation networks are designed around owning an automobile as well. Public transit exists, but it's uh, it's sporadic and it's hard. Um, so when we think about the needs for alternative transportation systems like car sharing solutions to come in and provide opportunities for people to access their own private mobility uh, versus having to rely on, on public services, there really is a need for it here in North America that is a little bit more uh, more poignant than than in some of our, our uh, European cities. Um, even in the automobile financing market, leasing has been a well-established uh, form of, of, of vehicle um, access here in North America. It's been around for four or five decades, um, first established in the 70s and really refined with the computer models in the 80s. When you go to Europe, leasing is not a model. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new concept in Europe, um, and, and they call it long-term rental. Uh, and uh, uh, for them, a long-term rental is a lease. For us, a lease is basically synonymous to, to, to a loan. It's just a different way of financing a car. Um, so there are a lot of differences in how the two uh, their two sides of the pond sort of interact with vehicles and interact with brands uh, and interact with transportation networks. And so we're fully aware of and fully cognizant of those. Uh, and and uh, we're trying to adapt all of our services to meet the needs of our core customers here in North America. And it's interesting, you were just mentioning this. Uh, you, you can also get a ride with your service. It says book a ride with a driver. So is this like uh, if I'm showing up at the airport, the old somebody's holding a sign with my name on it, and it's going to be a limo or a town car service that's going to take me from point A, let's say the airport into a downtown area? Yeah, it's it's a full slate of options. So when you click on the ride function within the the Free to Move app, you can book a driver like that. There are driver services, um, or it'll it'll uh, put you to traditional ride hailing services as well. Uh, and again, the the whole idea is to give you an aggregation for all your mobility services. Um, so rather than having to go to two, three, or four different apps or two, three, or four different providers, just click through, uh, book and pay for all your services through the Free to Move app and. Uh, gain access to a whole whole ecosystem of, of mobility. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you one last thing as I'm taking as talking to uh, David Dowdy, Freedom Move, North American head. I, I wanted to ask you about hydrogen. We talked a lot about the plug-in vehicles. I talked recently also about hydrogen vehicles. Is that something that you see as a viable option? I know Europe is looking at hydrogen more than we are here in the United States yet. Uh, but what do you see about the hydrogen future? Yeah, well, the, the fuel cell is real, um, and then those vehicles, especially for zero emission uh, fleet and or trucking vehicles, is something that is coming to, to market. Um, when I think about free to move and the services we deploy, we're really powertrain agnostic. Uh, so whether it's an EV or an ICE, a PHEV, a full BEV, or, or a, a hydrogen vehicle, we're going to make those vehicles available to the types of services that you need uh, in order to engage and interact with the, the, the kind of transportation you need when you need it. And that goes for both businesses and consumers. We focused a lot here on the car sharing and car on demand program, which is something a, a B, we call a B2C service. We also offer a pretty robust B2B business as well, because uh, businesses have their own mobility needs. You know, if I'm a, uh, a company that does late night fast food delivery out of my pizza chain and I only have two drivers, maybe I need a third driver uh, on a Friday night. And those are types of services that we're, uh, we're, we're contemplating and, and being able to roll out community by community through our mobility hubs. 
Very interesting. Uh, this is all really interesting stuff there, David. It's, I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you're worried about competition uh, right around the corner because this is something that it seems is going to um, at least change, like you said, the way you, everybody's going to get around in the next 20 or 30 or 40 years. Are you worried about competition or is it just come on, try to try to do something better than us because you can't? You know, you know. Actually, I'm I I welcome and I I'm excited about uh, other entrants and competitors coming into these spaces because we're going to make each other better, right? Uh, you know, just because we have a viewpoint and a vision on how things should be delivered doesn't necessarily mean that that's that's the winning model. And we're eventually going to figure out what the winning models are. And we need other people, other smart companies to come in and 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 uh, help make all of us better. So, um, at the end of the day. When I think about what our ultimate raison d'etre is, our, our mission is, we are trying to protect the freedom of mobility for all. We're trying to uh, have an equitable mobility future for all. And uh, we need a lot of people, uh, a lot of hands on deck to make it happen. Well, again, congratulations on the new baby that I think I can hear in the background there. Um, <laughs> they tend to uh, chime in whenever they want. And thanks again for uh, joining me here on the show. Yeah, no worries. She just woke up from a nap, so I think she's ready for me to come pick her up. So. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. I always enjoy you know talking mobility, and thank you very much. And if you ever want to uh, find out more about the Free to Move, their website is free, the number two, move.com. Uh, by the way, none, not one, not ever, any of the interviews I've ever had on all 200 and now 21 episodes of this fine program uh, that I've done here over the five years and uh, all these episodes, none of them have ever been a, been a paid interview. And this is not one either. I've never been paid for anything on this show. It's all been part of my work that I, I consider it encompassing my work at Denver 7. And that's the way it's going to stay until, well, maybe a very wealthy benefactor wants to drop me a pile of cash or some cryptocurrency uh, into my uh, crypto wallet. Uh, <laughs> I'll take just about any crypto you got. Uh, either the, either way. Uh, and that said, uh, David did offer, though, this to any listener of our show. He said if you wanted to try out Free to Move and save some money, he said you could use the promo code DENVER. Uh, with a capital D, Denver, just like you, you think it should be spelled, and get a credit of 50 bucks until the end of November uh, on Free to Move. Uh, again, i never been paid, never plan on being paid for any segment, anything on this show. So it's all free to me and free to you, and <laughs> there you have it. Okay, again, happy birthday to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Five is pretty good for this type of program, I think. I really do. I mean, there's there's so many that uh, I've listened to several that that have made it maybe uh, two or three or four episodes and then it's done. It seems like some of them have potential and then they just fizzle out or they make it a month or two and then again fizzle out. It's you know, and then then a lot of the shows, the the bigger name shows, they have they have the big name people and they go into a main, main studio. And they have a producer that's uh, pretty much like a radio station where you have somebody that is uh, monitoring the, the levels and doing all that stuff. And then maybe another producer putting it all together. They, you know what this show has? Me. Uh, it has me writing it. It has me uh, recording it and, and editing everything. Uh, so it has it has one, uh, one person, a staff of one, me. Just like my... Uh, just like my job at uh, Denver Seven, it's a it's a staff of one in the uh, in the traffic department. Okay. Well, anyway, thanks for being here for uh, the 221 now episodes for five years. Well, we'll see if we make it uh, another five years or five months or five days. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.